0: A confession. Um, Last night, my wife and I had a a very decadent, extravagant, very tasty dinner. Um, After spending all week, you know, uh, thinking about poverty and hunger, we had an anniversary, so so we went out for dinner. (laughs) 17 years. Go figure. So... Part of me felt a little guilty, but I don't do this all the time. But, you know, part of me just really, really enjoyed the food because I realized how special it is to actually have that much food and that tasty. So that's my confession. So we will be looking at hunger, and hunger is very, very closely tied to poverty, so we'll be looking at that too. Um, as a church, we're kind of we're working through these series on, I guess justice. We're we're looking at different issues where there's injustice in the world and thinking about what kinds of things we can do about that. It's all based on Micah six eight, which if you've been here, you've heard this every single week. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I'll read it. Micah six eight. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy, to walk humbly or prudently with your God. So, three things Act justly. At work, we are called as Christians to see injustice in the world and to do something about it. We're to love mercy. That doesn't mean that we completely put away judgment. But it does mean that we are to be motivated by mercy and love. And to walk humbly. Um, humbly or prudently, maybe a, a bit better translation of the word. It's the kind of the sense of not being arrogant, but also being measured in, in how you walk, like being thoughtful, being wise in your walk. So that's what we want to do. We don't want. Our lives to just happen, we want to to <laughs> be part of it, to guide them. Um, I guess we're saved by grace I don't guess that I know that <laughs> we're saved by grace, right? so it doesn't matter what we do and We're just saved because God wants to save us. And we said, hey, I like that. So that's awesome. But if you look at James here, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Most of you probably know it anyways. Um, But there's kind of this idea where while it doesn't actually matter what we do in the sense that we're, we're, we are saved no matter what we do. The fact is that um, if we really are saved and if we have really experienced God's love for us and God has really touched our heart, that should change us. And there should be something in us that wants to do something about that. We should... So the reason we do stuff to help people is not... Because we have to it's because we want to share God's love with others, we want to share what we've tasted with those around us, so this isn't a big um, big heavy like you know if you guys don't feed the poor well you're going to hell no <laughs> it's not it's not like that you're going to heaven, but it'd be nice to see some of those poor people up there with you I One thing I've learned, as in my time with Chili Wagon and my time actually being involved in the church, (laughs) church is a great place to... uh, I've learned how to say no. Good thing to know if you're in church leadership, because otherwise you'll end up doing everything, which is bad for everyone. But just because you see a need doesn't mean you have to fill it. And we've seen... Over these weeks and over the weeks that follow, we've seen a lot of needs. And it's quite overwhelming at how bad the world is and how many bad things there are and how many things there are that someone should do something about. And we're there's only one of us, you know, you're only yourself. What can you do? Well, you can do something. But what you really need to do is is listen. Listen to your life. Listen to... Like, what really stirs you? I mean, we see, we're seeing a lot of stuff that's disturbing, but there's going to be something that really, really hits you that you just can't forget. Well, that's the thing you should do something about. That's what God has made you for. That's what your passion is, and that's what you need to live out. For me, every time I see on the news something about poverty or injustice to do with poverty, that just, it hits me. So that's what I've tried to focus my life on. Uh, I like this quote from Sean Vanier. Was a, is a, he started a movement called Large in through the Catholic Church that they, um, we'll talk a bit more about it later, but basically they work with developmentally disabled people and, and bring them into community and just provide a home for them and a a safe, loving environment for them to live and grow in. He says this, Let us not put our sights too high. We do not have to be saviors of the world. We are simply human beings. We're enfolded in weakness and in hope. We're called together to change the world one heart at a time. One heart at a time. We just have to touch one person. I think all of us are capable of doing that. That doesn't seem that overwhelming. This does. I don't know if you can... (laughs) Yeah. um, World hunger is brutal. I cannot... I I thought of... Rose found this video on YouTube that was eight minutes of images of people starving to death, and I... (laughs) I thought, you know, I mean, that's reality. That is what it is, but I don't think we need to see that to understand the, the depths of the problem. And I think sometimes if we see too much of that, we just become desensitized, and it just it doesn't mean as much. So, um, the blue areas are the areas where... where um, there aren't very many undernourished people. Can you actually read that? Not really. I'm bad with colors, apparently, my wife tells me, so you'll have to interpret. The yellow is uh, better. There's still a significant number of undernourished, but, or sorry, the yellow is worse. We're going from good to worst, right? So orange, 10 to 19% of the population is undernourished, Red, it's 20 to 34%. Hmm, that's cool. <laughs> and the dark red, or uh, whatever you want to call that color, over 35% undernourished. So very high, like, you know, 3 in 10 people, 4 in 10 people don't have enough food, or don't have the right amount of food to have proper nutrition. Um, I, I wasn't surprised by the Africa part of it, I know, but that's true. I didn't realize there was quite so much malnourishment in uh, South America, and I certainly wasn't aware that India, China, that area, how high that is. I I was surprised. I think of China as a fairly industrialized modern nation, but apparently it isn't. Apparently, once you get out of the cities, it's pretty, uh, pretty harsh. In the red there, the thing you can't read, the number of undernourished people in the world is just under one billion. One billion people. So the equivalent of the population of North America and Europe combined, that's how many people don't have enough food. And there's enough food around in the world to feed all these people. It's just they don't have it there. Yeah, so that's one in seven people. That's pretty disturbing. Just so look around you, count off eight people. One of those is undernourished. There's a lot of causes for this. Um, most commonly, like the, the number, what we tend to think as the number one cause of malnutrition and the one we hear most about is natural disasters. Um, famine, drought, that kind of thing. But really, that's only something like 5% of people who are undernourished are in those areas. War is a huge one. Um, food is often used as a weapon of war, withholding food from populations. Land mining fields. There's places in the world where there's so many mines you cannot grow anything because you'll probably die if you step in the field. Uh, Refugees, there's people that have to flee the war and then end up with no place. So there's millions of people that are displaced that have not enough food. Poverty. So there's a lot of places in the world where there is food to be had, but people can't afford it, so they don't eat. By the way, Canada is one of those places. Poor infrastructure. So there's countries where there's enough food enough food. But it doesn't get to the people that need it because they have no way of getting it there or um, they don't store the food. They have no way of storing the food for the lean years, things like that. Poor land use practices. So there are places where there's good land for growing food and people don't know how to do it. Or they don't have the right seed, they don't have the right crops, or they're growing, there's places where people are growing cash crops, like coffee, where they could be growing food for them to live off. Golf courses. Golf courses. <laughs> I don't think that's a huge one, but... <laughs> uh, there's a there's a Christian organization called um, La Roca that works with people in developing countries to help them use their land better Okay Rose you're up just to make this a little more real Rose is gonna hand everyone a card and they're different colors and soon it will all make sense is Kaylee helping Kaylee's helping So while they do this, I'm going to tell you a story because everyone likes stories. When I was in my 20s, I did a missions trip, short-term missions trip to Belarus, which is um, just—it's just south of or whatever—it's White Russia. It's just it was just after the Iron Curtain fell, and there was ridiculous amounts of inflation in the country. Um, So we were one of the first, you know, Christian groups that were actually allowed to enter the country. And I remember going to a a grocery store or bakery, and you went in, and the shelves were empty. There was a lot of shelves, but there was nothing on them. Oh, I got one. So if you wanted food, certain food anyway, you either had to have a lot of money because there were markets where you could buy things or you had to wait in line in the morning when they opened to make sure you got it before it disappeared. And to me, that was very disturbing. After that trip, when I came back to North America and I walked into a Safeway, I was just overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed at just the abundance I mean, not just that we have different foods, but we've got like, I don't know, you know, forty different kinds of cereal. Like it's not just we don't have just enough, we have an abundance. And to this to this day, there's times where I walk into stores like that and I just I just I can't believe it. Okay, so you all have tags. <laughs> I feel like I'm being watched. Um. So whoever has a brown tag, this is white. What is is this white? (laughs) I'm really not colorblind. Um, if you have a brown tag, stand up. Woohoo! You guys are lucky because you get. Lots and lots of food. Well, I'm not actually feeding you, but this is a, a perspective. So you represent the entire world here. So out of the entire world, you three have tons of food. Four? Yes. Awesome. Okay, sit down. Yes, you get meat. Okay. Kind of a luxury. Um, Green. hey there's more of you you guys get a decent amount of food something you know like rice and veggies you might have meat occasionally but you know in general you're getting enough to eat You're, you're doing okay okay sit down and now this is the exciting one this would be almost the rest of you white so now you guys represent most of the world which have, some of you have enough food to just get by, and then there's a good chunk of you that just do not. You are slowly starving to death. Or you don't have enough food for good health, so you're getting sick a lot. Okay, sit down. And then, I know that's 100%, but this is an illustration. Who's left? I think it's, what is it, red? Red? Red. Oh, Dawson. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're dead. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) So the red represents people who have actually died of starvation, (laughs) they were handed out randomly. It's not a scientific thing. It's Yeah, I mean, people that are, are dead or are on the verge of death due to lack of food or malnutrition. That's about 10%? Uh, no, it's more like 5%. I don't know where the other ones... Yeah. I ran out of time for this to really be... Yeah. We actually... We did this at a, at a retreat where we actually had to the food that we got for that meal was whatever we... (laughs) whatever card we were given. It was an interesting exercise. Um, Thankfully, it was a group of really friendly people, so we shared food, and everyone actually was able to eat. But uh, disturbing how many people don't have enough. And this isn't worldwide. I mean, this isn't just other parts of the world. It's also in Canada. Let's see what it says. We're I'm going to quote some statistics from a Canada Food Bank survey that they did a, over the March over March 2010. 9 almost 900,000 individuals went to a food bank in Canada. I don't know what our population is. That still seems that seems like a pretty high number. 4 million. Yeah. So I mean in terms of world standards there's not that many people but In terms of actual numbers, that's a lot of people. This is disturbing. Thirty-eight percent of them are children. Eleven percent of them have jobs, which, if you know anything about a minimum wage job, you realize you really can't live off it. And if you have a family and you're a single mom and you're working minimum wage, you don't stand a chance of making enough. 6% 6% on EI. 51% have are receiving social assistance. Apparently that's underfunded. Um, and 15% have some sort of disability support. Uh, what they don't really break... What's included in there is seniors. Um, I didn't think that much of this, so I was listening to the radio, and then... they were talking about the way family or corner grocery stores are going out of business throughout the city. And um, so there's large parts of the city where you have to travel quite a long ways to actually buy groceries. And for most of us, it's not an issue. We just jump on the bus or we drive there. But there's a lot of seniors that don't have much money. um, And they may be living in west side you know some place where there is money but they bought their house a million years ago when it was cheap and they can't get around like they used to they don't have a driver's license they can't really walk so there are literally people starving to death in our city because they can't get to a grocery store which is just crazy this is good this is really sad um yeah, this is another paper I read. Just saying that the public welfare system depends on food banks and other charities. Um, and, you know, I, I realize that a lot of people that are getting assistance... I mean, there's definitely people getting assistance that shouldn't be. There's people that can work. There's people that could be making a go of it, and they're not. And a lot of times, people who are working for a living complain about those people but the fact is there's a whole lot of people that need it that cannot for one reason or another cannot work and they are in a place where they need assistance and sometimes it's short-term and sometimes it's it's going to be for the rest of their lives and the system is just underfunded we don't give people enough to live off it's i don't know it's it just seems like such an injustice so in Canada obviously for almost everyone in Canada has access to adequate food. So it's more the issue is just not having enough money. <laughs> yeah. You know just like when we were handing out the the tickets of different colors, some of you ended up starving, some of you weren't. That's we happen to have been born in a country, and we're in a situation where most of us are living quite well. By no... I mean, not because of anything we did. It just happened. And there's, <coughs> there's millions of people around the world that did not. They, they were born in places where there isn't enough. And that's just a horrible injustice. It's a horrible injustice that we have extra food, and we throw it away, and there's people dying yeah, we have. This is just. <laughs> you know, I, would, I didn't really want to be all disturbing and heavy, but <laughs> this is disturbing and heavy. There's over 1 billion overweight people in the world, which is the same number of people who are undernourished in the world. 300 million obese people in the world. And I realize it's not always due to overeating. Some people have metabolic issues, whatever. But there are definitely a good chunk of these people that are just eating way too much. If only there was an easy way to distribute the food more fairly. But there isn't really because it's worldwide and so many countries involved. Let's take a look at a bit of scripture So Isaiah 58, um, the people were complaining to God, you know, we do all this stuff for you. We fast, we pray, we give offerings, and you don't answer our prayers. And then this is God's response. "Is Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with... With shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So that we can see God's heart really is to care for everyone. And, and we are really called to do the same. We are called to feed the hungry, we're to provide, to provide shelter for those who need it. Because ultimately they 're our own flesh and blood they 're all people this is uh, yeah, hunger is in a bunch of places in the Bible this is this particular passage is the feeding of the five thousand, which i 'm sure you 're familiar with, but um, the other one I was thinking of was manna, um, the first refugees there well maybe not the first refugees, but the Israelites were refugees in the desert. They had no food, no water, nothing. And uh, God provided for them. And throughout the Bible, you see just God's heart for the disenfranchised, for those who have no voice, for those who are being treated unjustly, for those who do not have food. And, you know, in the end, everything is good. In heaven, after everyone after the end times happen, and never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So that's God's heart for humanity. and it, And that is our hope, and that is what, drives us to want to share what we have with others to try to bring that about okay a
1: video yes i chili wagon which is a relationship based food ministry it's providing for the homeless and uh, mentally ill and for the, all the people that can't cook for themselves so they come here on tuesday nights and they, uh, they have chili. We come out here. We uh, provide uh, what we consider to be a pretty good meal. We put our chili up against any chili anywhere in the world, comparison wise. It's the, the food quality is top of the line. They're known to have like the best chili in the city. I think best chili in the world. All you White, can eat, hey, man. It's good stuff. It? We do put on a fantastic. Menu. We have about 125 quarts of chili a week, freshly baked banana bread. We have vegetarian soup because we do have a vegetarian contingent. All of our ingredients are fresh, they're store-bought, and we uh, come out here every Tuesday night rain, shine, snow, whatever. We have about 125 people a week that come to the Chili Wagon. 75% of those people are people that come on a regular basis. Out of those 75% of the people that come there, those are people that we know people that we have been coming for years, people that we love. They're great people, they're really nice people, and they've been around for ever since I can remember. Bordy's been doing it for 14 years, and he's been doing it for the Vineyard Church, and the people that are doing it are part of the church. We wheel the carts down from our, from the church. And people are asking, what's this? And it's a chili wagon for the homeless, and you should see their faces like your feet, the homeless, like, why? My heart is for people, myself and my team, we're just really out there to, to love people. We don't do it for the glory or the praise. We do it because we're compelled to do it. I just get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I feel I've done my part for God, done my part for society, and I've done my part for the homeless. I'm basically from the streets myself. I know how hard it is to get a good hearty meal. People that make use of these food programs are people that have been marginalized by society. Mental health issues, addiction issues, homelessness, poor people, but that doesn't define who they are. The only difference between most of these people and myself is one paycheck. Why is that? There's not enough help out there. Uh, I wish there was more money from the government to put this out. Be nice to see this in other communities. If everybody has a donation or something like that, try to give it to the Salvation Army. Extra chili is needed. Gordy, in my opinion, should have the Order of Canada. I think this man deserves a brand new chili trust. I love people for who they are. Because when you're doing ministry like this, week in and week out, you don't see a lot of changes. You see people that are caught up into the same cycle of addiction, or the mental health issues that society has defined them by. And it's so hard to be able to, to, to keep hope. But hope is so important. That's what Chilliwagon is about.
0: So that's Chilliwagon. What's it been, Gordy? Like 15 years, maybe 19 years. Gordy founded it. There's been quite a few people along the way that have helped out. Um, I've been going. I don't know, at least five years or so. And and like you, he said in the video, it really our motivation is to share God's love and to to build relationship with people. Obviously, we're feeding them and that's important. A lot of people there don't have enough food. Um, Some people do. They just come because it's really good chili, and and they want some, which is fine with us. You know, either way, we're building relationship. Um, A couple things that have struck me over the years of, of working there or of helping out is... One is that people are people that... I mean, when I went down first few times i was scared because it was it was people that i didn't people i try generally try to avoid you know they're not clean necessarily they're not pleasant to look at they're they're needy um some of them have mental health issues are very hard to talk to or very interesting to talk to um (laughs) depending on how you look at it you can have some very amusing conversations um but i i 've really realized you know they're just we 're not that different they They have similar needs they have um, yeah and, and and addictions you know there's a lot of people there that are addicted to something, and that 's why they can 't afford food or so I looked at my own life and I thought, you know i don 't have any addictions and then I thought about it, well, is there anything like if I feel like i 'm lacking something, what do I do <laughs> I drink a bit of coffee. I could stop anytime I want, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't want to because I like it. <laughs> I want to be around. <laughs> but really, I mean, if, if you take a hard look at yourself, there are things that are addictive sort of behaviors that we all do. Um, they just don't control us that bad for most of us. And for some people on the streets, it's become something that controls them. So, I've lost track. Moving on. Yeah, I don't like... It's not pleasant often being around really needy people. And... um. I think there's a few reasons I can think of. One of those is that they remind us of our own neediness, and we don't like that. I like to think that my life is comfortable and okay, and I don't have problems. But if I see someone who is very needy, it kind of resonates with things in myself that I'm trying to bury, <laughs> which is probably good because it's going to bring about personal growth. So, But it's not pleasant. And I know for... No. Oh, hey. Yeah, so there's this sense where for us to be fully human, for us to be outside of our comfortable lives, we do need to be challenged, and one way to do that is to be with people who have less. Um, for me, this is a big one, worrying that if I get involved too deeply, I'm just going to get sucked in, and I'm not going to be able to... It's going to be too much. But that shouldn't stop you. I mean, thats it's more of a maturity thing. You need to have personal boundaries where you can say, I'm going to help you, but this is as far as I can help you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's very healthy, in fact. <laughs> it's very dysfunctional if you bring everyone to your house and let them take over. You do have to have boundaries. So... I'd encourage you to get involved even if it is uncomfortable and you know it doesn't have to be I still like if you're walking by someone on the street begging for money you don't have to give them money but you you should be treating them as a human you know it's very dehumanizing sitting on a sidewalk having people ignore you so if you just say hi to them or just say hi I'm sorry I don't have any money that is so much better than doing nothing and it's, it might even be better than giving them money because for a lot of people, they're they're getting money f- just to feed their addictions. Um, if you want to get more involved, you can sit down and talk to them or you can buy them some food or something. So it's about providing community. It's about sharing love. We really want people who are on the outside to feel like they aren't like they're human like they're they belong like there's they have value as human beings um if you go to the canadian vineyard website there's there's a group in the canadian vineyard called um developing community among the poor and it's a very interesting name because they they're they're saying we 're coming alongside, we want to be part of you we don 't it 's not a handout. Chili wagon is not we have stuff, so we 're giving it to you it's We want to be with you and and help you and be in relationship with you and I think really that 's what we 're called to do that 's what that 's what Jesus did um, large, which I mentioned before that uh, Jean Vanier started. They take people who have development disabilities and they, do they um, create home environments where these people come and live, um, and it becomes a family. It becomes a place where there's love. It becomes, you know, they have chores. They have structure. They have, They do work for the community. They have jobs. So they feel like they're contributing. And and it's, it's amazing how much better people do when they're put in that kind of environment. And, you know, being in relationship isn't always easy. And you're working, Chili Wagon, we're with people who are on the fringes and they're They have addictions, and they have a lot of pain that they're trying to hide, and bad things happen often. So, a couple of years back down at Grandview Park, you might remember Curtis Brick. He's a First Nations fellow. He he had an alcohol problem, yeah, and he um, he had passed out on the on the grass. It was one of the hottest days of the year, and. No one thought much of it for a long time. I don't know. He was there six or eight hours laying in the sun. And by the time someone did anything, he had heat stroke so badly that he he died. Um, And he was a regular part of our community. So it's very sad. It's a tearing. And, you know, we do what we can, but there's only so much we can do. And the other person that recently died last year, I mean there's been others too, but this has just been in the news because there's there was an investigation into the death, into the house There there's three men that died in a house fire, Dwayne Rasmussen was one of them that regularly came to Chili Wagon and um, there was an investigation to find out if it was the owner's fault which it wasn't, but the housing was definitely substandard And, um, you know, again, it's just, it's poverty, it's, it's, these people didn't die from malnutrition, they didn't die from lack of money, but because of the poverty, and because of their own brokenness, they end up in bad situations, and it leads to things like that. So what can we do about all this? Well, think about what strikes you like i if you're more passionate about doing things in other parts of the world or here um the world food program they have a re- it's a really good program because it's not just giving out food they're actually trying to work with communities and build uh more in- better infrastructure better farming practices all those things we talked about um Some of you might not like the fact that it's United Nations. Fair enough. <laughs> there are plenty of non-government organizations that do similar kind of work. So you just search. They're they're easy to find. There's, there's so many different programs that do things. Or microloans is another thing. There's people that provide small amounts of money to people in need just so they can start a business, just so they can get on their feet so they can buy some seeds, so they'll have food to eat, or things like that. World Vision has some cool stuff. 30-hour famine, which probably most of you have heard of. Just a way of fasting in solidarity, but also to raise money. Um, That seems to be really focused at the young adult kind of crowd. Um, Cooking Up Justice, which is an interesting idea, where you just have this... It's kind of a world food meal, and it's just, it's just meant to raise awareness where you talk about world food issues. Even things like buying fair trade can make a difference in world poverty because people are getting paid a decent amount for their food. So think about what you're buying. Where does the money go? I was about to go on a big Walmart tirade, but I will refrain myself from doing that. To be really concrete about what you can do, we're providing you with these. Empty bags. <laughs> <laughs> Not just empty bags, but they have shopping lists. So Chili Wagon always needs stuff. Um, so has provided a list here. There's, there's, it's divided into two sections. One thing is just things that we use every week to make the chili and that kind of stuff so there's a list of things that are needed and places you can buy them and quantities um, or the other thing we do is every christmas we give out shoe boxes which are often bags but in any case we give out these small packages of uh, things just to help people out like things like Gloves, socks, toothbrushes, Christmas cards. It's on the list. Socks, you might not think about it, but if you're living on the streets or you don't have a place to do laundry, um, it's hard to have clean socks. And if it's rainy, hmm, which it often is here, then you're wearing wet, dirty socks, and it can lead to some really nasty infections that are really hard to get rid of. So clean socks, we give away a lot of socks to people. It's over 1,000 pairs a year. Yeah, it's very important. And, of course, you can always help us. You can come out on a Tuesday. We cook during the day, and then we go to the park, Grandview Park, Tuesday evenings. And if you want to remain a little more distant, you can just give us money. We'll take your money. Just put in the offering, say so Chili Wagon, and it'll get to us. So those, these are at the back. Um, you can grab them on your way out. And next week, we'll have, we'll collect them at the front here. So it'll be kind of like an offering before God. We'll have a collection and then they'll go to Chili Wagon and we'll make use of them. So this is, uh, I'm just going to read this. Um, This evolution towards a real responsibility for others is sometimes blocked by fear. It's easier to stay on the level of a pleasant way of life in which we keep our freedom and our distance. But that means we stop growing and shut ourselves up in our own small concerns and pleasures. I mean, what does it mean to live? Do you want to just go to work, come home, be comfortable and happy? Or do you want to grow? Do you want to walk in Jesus' footsteps? It's up to you. I know what I'd like to do, even though it is uncomfortable. So I'd like to just pray. Lord, I thank you that you, your love is so big and your mercy is so great that you, um, your desire is to know each of us, to love each of us. Your desire is for justice. Your desire is that no one suffer. And we are confronted with a world that is full of unbearable suffering, so I pray you would help each of us to know what part of it we can do something about and to show us what our part is. And just to give us the, the strength and the, the passion to overcome our fears and to, to reach out to those in need, however that may look. Amen.